0: Amen. you have your Bible this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As a church here over the last couple of weeks together, we have been doing a study on the person that as Christians we should want to know more than anyone else. That is, we've been doing a study on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We have looked at the incarnation of Jesus, that is, Jesus who has always been the second person of the Trinity, how he became a part of mankind. And last Sunday together, we looked at the crucifixion of Jesus. And now this Sunday, we want to look together on this Easter Sunday at the resurrection of Jesus. And as we do it, I want us to do it from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 12 where the Apostle Paul says, Now if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God. Because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Beloved, as we go through this passage here this morning, one of the things you're going to see that as Christians, our faith stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus. God's Word will make it very clear that Christianity is no different than any other world religion if Jesus has not been raised from the dead. That is, Christianity would be of no more value than Islam is, who has the so-called prophet Muhammad who died but has never been raised from the dead. It would be no better than Buddhism that has Buddha that was that was that died and also was cremated, thus has not been raised from the dead. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, sadly the world has no hope. This life would be the best that there ever will be for anyone who ever lives. But thankfully, we will know, and we do know, hopefully, from God's word, that that is not true. That is, that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And because he's been raised from the dead, we're going to see that we have the victory over sin, and we have victory over death. So let's look back at these verses together this morning and see what God's Word says about the eternal importance of the resurrection of Jesus. And let's look at it from a negative standpoint in the way Paul presents it. First off, notice what he says. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then, first off, the content we preach to people is useless That is, the gospel is useless. If we were to have read the first 12 or 11 verses of chapter 15, we would have seen that Paul rehearsed with them the gospel that he had preached to them when he arrived there in Corinth. And the gospel he preached said that Jesus Christ had died according to the scriptures for our sins, that he had been buried and raised from the dead According to the scriptures, and not only that, that he had appeared to many over several days, showing that he had been raised from the dead. But sadly, here in the church at Corinth, some had began to teach, and the church seemed to be entertaining the idea that there actually is no resurrection of the dead. And Paul is trying to help them to see that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then the content of the message of the gospel that he had preached to them was actually useless. It was worthless. Notice again, he says it there in verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. That is, it is useless, it is worthless. The gospel would be powerless to save those who believe it. That is, the story of Jesus about his life, his death, and his resurrection would be nothing more than a fictional fairy tale. As one author put it, quote, either the tomb is empty or the gospel is empty. Beloved, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes it because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And I want us to step back from this for a moment and look at this as something more than just getting the resurrection right about Jesus. Because what Paul is teaching us here in this passage is that if you get any of the essential parts of the gospel wrong, your message is useless to save. That is, if someone gets it wrong about the person of Jesus, That he is fully God, fully man, second person of the Trinity. If they get it wrong that his death on that cross fully satisfied the wrath of God. If if they get it wrong that Jesus was the substitute for our sins. If they get it wrong and say that that it's more to it than putting your faith in Christ, turning from your sins and putting your faith in Christ. Beloved, if they get that wrong, understand that gospel message is useless to save anyone who believes it. This is why this is so important to Paul. He knows if they start believing and accepting in the church at Corinth that Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then he knows that their believing is in vain. So the content of what they would be preaching would be useless if Jesus has not been raised from the dead. But notice a second thing, a second result. Not just the content of their preaching, but notice if you go back and look again at the end of verse 14, where he says, your faith also is vain. He's telling them their confession in Christ that they were proclaiming and that they were professing would actually also be useless that is useless to save them their faith their confession their profession of faith in Jesus Christ would be of no spiritual value if the res- resurrection is not true beloved then a person is not saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone again Please hear me. It matters what people believe. It matters what they believe. Who or what they put their faith in. It matters. It's not enough just for someone to say, I have faith. That I believe. We we hear a lot of that today. That people just saying, I believe. I have faith. But the question you have to then ask is, faith in who? Faith in whom? Faith in what? Well, who are you believing in? What are you believing in? Or do you have faith in yourself? Do you have faith in your good deeds? Do you have faith in your life, in your actions, and in your motives? If you stop and you think about it for a moment, beloved, those people who go and blow themselves up and blow up other people are doing that based on their faith. They have a faith that tells them from what they have been taught that if they do that, they have been promised eternal life. That is a faith in something that is not true. It matters what you believe. It matters that what you believe is actually true. You stop and you think about it. If if someone was to come to you today and say, I have the cure for cancer. And here's the cure. Just take a Tylenol every day. And you believed it. And so you started taking a Tylenol every day. The damage that that would do to your life. You could have all the faith in the world and what was being said there, but it wouldn't be true. And if it wouldn't be true... Then eventually it would lead to your your death. And, beloved, something more important is at stake when we're thinking about the gospel and about Jesus being raised from the dead. If someone gets the gospel wrong, understand again, it has eternal consequences. It has eternal consequences. What everyone teaches, what everyone believes about the life and about death and about salvation isn't true. And those who don't believe the truth, it has eternal consequences for them. But the wonderful, glorious, good news for everyone sitting here today is those who believe the truth. And the truth is Jesus. And Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the way. Those who believe in the life and the death and the literal, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are saved. That is, you have eternal security. You are eternally safe and secure in the arms and the love of God. And no one can take that away. Not even death. The Bible says Paul is just wanting them to see the ramifications of their entertaining of the idea that there is no resurrection of the dead, that if there's no resurrection of the dead, Jesus hasn't been raised. And if Jesus hasn't been raised, then the faith that they had put in Jesus is useless. It is absolutely useless to them. But notice a third thing that Paul lets them see the ramifications of you believe this. And that is that the carriers, the carriers of this gospel, the carriers of this message that we are preaching of the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus, the carriers of that message are unreliable and they're untrustworthy. That's how serious this is. Look again, if you will, back in verse 15. He says, moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God. Beloved, if there's one thing that someone doesn't want to be is a false witness of God, that is to be a liar. Lying about something God said or God did if God didn't really say it and God didn't really do it. He says, because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. This has serious consequences to it. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then the servants of Jesus who are proclaiming that he was raised from the dead are lying and they're untrustworthy. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then the Savior himself, Jesus, is a liar. And he's untrustworthy. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then understand this book that I'm holding in my hand, the scriptures, the the word of God, the Bible, is untrustworthy. It is unreliable. See, earlier Paul was saying that the the message itself would be unreliable, useless. Now he's talking about the messengers. Put it together. He says, if we, that is, we the apostles, we the saints, we the people that go out and tell people that Jesus has been raised from the dead, if they are going out and saying that, and it hasn't happened, and it didn't happen, then they are false witnesses for God. And that comes all the way down to you and to me, that we would be false witnesses for God. But as I said, it's not just the saints, it's also the Savior himself. If you look back up in verse 3, Paul is reminding them, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And you go over in the book of Galatians and what you find is is that Paul received the gospel that he preached from Jesus himself. So if Jesus himself told him the gospel... And it was Jesus himself who appeared to him on the road there to Damascus. It was Jesus himself who appeared to him and was there with him when he went off to to study and to think through the word of God and what it is that had happened in his life. And it is Jesus who came and taught him personally and specifically the gospel. And he received this divine revelation from Jesus himself. And if what Paul was teaching wasn't true, then Jesus was lying to Paul. Not only that, Jesus taught this himself while he was here on the the earth. You read back through the Gospels and over and over again, Jesus kept teaching them, I'm going to be raised from the dead on the third day. Jesus appeared, as we talked about this morning in our sunrise service, Jesus appeared at least 10 or 11 times at different times to people after his death. If he did that and yet he wasn't really raised from the dead, it was nothing but a big deception on people. You see, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, we can't trust the saints of God. We can't trust the Savior himself. And as I said, we can't even trust the scriptures. Go back to verse 4, where Paul says, here's what he was preaching to them, that Jesus was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures." You see, he spent time going back with the people. He would go to them and he would say, let's go back and let's look in the Old Testament because that's all they had. At the time Paul was preaching, there was no New Testament. So the scriptures he was using to show them that Jesus had to be buried and he had to be raised again on the third day all came from what we know to be the Old Testament. So he would take them back in the Old Testament and show them and say, See, see right here what it's talking about? This is talking about the Messiah, the Savior. He had to suffer and die. And see, see right here, look over here. He has to be raised again on the third day. Jesus himself did this over in the Gospel of Luke. In fact, look over there with me for just a moment. Look in Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus, this is after his death and his resurrection, and one of the times he's making his appearance to his disciples. And notice beginning in verse 44, he's speaking to his disciples here, and he says, now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things which are written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now those three references there, the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms, that just represents the three different parts that make up the Old Testament. So he's saying, when you go back and you read through every section of the Old Testament, whether you're looking at the Law of Moses Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, or you're going into the prophets, or you're going into the Psalms, that is the wisdom literature, they all testify about me, and everything that was testified about me had to be fulfilled. He goes on to say in verse 45, Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. Jesus was teaching this and he was teaching this from the Old Testament Scriptures of the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms. This is what Paul did. If you go back and read in the book of Acts, this is what you see Paul doing. Reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews. Reasoning from the Scriptures. Explaining to them how the Messiah had to suffer. How he had to die. How he was to be raised from the dead. So if there is no resurrection of the dead then understand the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, that is the whole Old Testament is unreliable and it is untrustworthy. But not just the Old Testament beloved, the New Testament as well. You can't read through every different section of the New Testament and you're going to see that it testifies and says Jesus was raised from the dead. Whether you're looking at the Gospels, whether you're looking at Acts in the historical account, whether you're looking at the epistles or whether you're looking at the final book, the prophetic book, and the book of Revelation, they all testify that Jesus was raised from the dead. So if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then that tells us the gospels are unreliable. It tells us the book of Acts is unreliable. All the epistles are unreliable. The book of Revelation is unreliable. That is, the whole Bible is unreliable, untrustworthy, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. So this is not a secondary issue. This is why, again, let me just come back to this. It is so important that we teach the truth. Because when the things that we say that the Bible teaches, it needs to be the truth. It needs to actually teach it because when it doesn't, it makes the Bible look untrustworthy. And it makes Jesus look untrustworthy. And it makes the church look untrustworthy. And Paul is driving this home to them as we're looking here in 1 Corinthians. And we're seeing he's telling them specifically. He's trying to help them and discourage them not to embrace any of this teaching about there's no resurrection of the dead. Because he knows that if they embrace this, they're moving away from the gospel, they're moving away from their only hope of salvation. And not only that, they're going to make Jesus and the church and the apostles to be unreliable, untrustworthy resources to look to, which means you're leaving people with no hope, no avenue for redemption. So Paul understood that the carriers of this message would be seen as unreliable if there is no resurrection of Christ. Go back with me now to 1 Corinthians 15. And look with me, if you will, in verses 16 and 17, where Paul is going to make the case that if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then the cleansing from sin that we promise people is worthless, it's useless, it's really, it's a lie itself. He says in verse 16, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. And it's this last phrase, this last sentence in verse 17 you are still in your sins. Notice who he's talking to. Remember, he's talking to believers, he's talking to Christians. And he's telling these people who have put their faith in Jesus, he's saying, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, you are still in your sins. You are still without cleansing. You have no forgiveness. If there is no resurrection, there is no forgiveness. There's no cleansing of your sins. There's no deliverance from your sins. There's no deliverance from the penalty of your sins. You are still bound in your sins. You are still under the wrath of God. And when you die, you're going to face the wrath of God. That's what he means by that. You're still in your sins. As Martin Lloyd-Jones said about the resurrection, he said, the resurrection is the proclamation of the fact that God is fully and completely satisfied with the work that His Son did upon the cross. In raising Him up, God was proclaiming that His Son had completed the work that full expiation has been made, that He is propitiated, that is, He is completely satisfied. I I made the comment this morning that if there is no resurrection of the dead, I could not tell you for certain here this morning, I could not tell you whether or not God was satisfied with the life and the death of Jesus. I couldn't tell you that. The reason why I can tell you that is because God did raise him from the dead. Because when he raised him from the dead, he was declaring to this world, I am satisfied. My wrath has been satisfied for your sins on the cross, on the cross of Jesus. Listen to the way Charles Spurgeon put it, just helping us to understand how important this is. He said, quote, The blood of Jesus Christ is blood that has been accepted. Christ died. He was buried. But neither heaven nor earth could tell whether God had accepted the ransom. ransom. There was wanted or needed God's seal upon the great Magna Carta of our salvation. That seal was put in that hour when God summoned the angel and bade him descend from heaven and roll away the stone. And when Christ came out, rising from the dead in the glory of his Father's power, Then was the seal put upon the great charts of our redemption. The blood was accepted. Sin was forgiven. And listen to these words carefully. And now, soul, it is not possible for God to reject you if you come this day to him pleading the blood of Christ. God cannot. And here we speak with reverence to the everlasting God cannot reject a sinner who pleads the blood of Christ. For if he did so, it were to deny himself. He never can revoke that divine acceptance of the resurrection. And if you go to God, my hearer, pleading simply and only the blood of him that did hang upon the tree, God must ungod himself before he can reject you or reject that blood. Listen to what he's saying there. This is how powerful the resurrection is. In the resurrection, God says, I'm satisfied. God says, I have accepted this blood. I have accepted this ransom payment. I have accepted this substitute. Thus, anyone, everyone who comes simply and only pleading the blood of Jesus on the cross as the payment for their sins, God can never ever reject someone on those grounds. Because to do that would mean he would have to reject himself. And God would never do that. That's how certain, that's how sure, sure we can be. So Paul is wanting them to understand that. Let me share one last thing, result, ramification about this. It's found there in verses 18 and 19. And it is this. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then the comfort that we promise people when they die, or especially when their loved ones who have already died, If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, the comfort we promised them is useless. It's worthless. It provides really nothing. Notice how Paul says it there in verse 18. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ. That is, that's just talking about Christians who have died. People who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord, and they have died. He says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead... Those who have died in Christ have perished. That idea there of perishing is not talking about physical death. Because he's talking about people who are physically dead here. And what's he saying? He's saying people, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then people who have died believing in Jesus' life, death and resurrection, he's saying they have also not just physically died, they have spiritually and eternally died. They will experience the eternal wrath of God. That's what he means by saying they perished. It's over for them. And not only is it over for them, he's saying there is no hope or redemption for them and they will spend eternity under the eternal wrath of God. That's why he goes on to say there in verse 19, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, That is, if the only thing we can offer people is a hope in this life, but not in the life to come after death, then he says, of all the people, we're to be pitied. People ought to pity us. Of all men, we are most to be pitied because we think that somehow on the other side of death, There's going to be comfort. There's going to be the promise of life eternal. But instead, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, there's no hope of that. All The only hope there is, is the hope of eternal wrath in the eternal lake of fire. This is why Paul, when you stop and think about it, when we think about our loved ones, Loved ones who have died who are Christians. We know from Philippians chapter 1 where Paul says those who die, they gain. They gain the very presence of Christ. They depart immediately upon death and they are immediately in the presence of Jesus Christ. Not only that, we know over in the book of First Thessalonians in chapter 4 and, and beginning in verse 13 where Paul, one of the, the believers there at Thessalonica who had believers and family members who had put their faith in Christ and they had died and they had already uh, fallen asleep as he describes it here and he describes it that way over in First Thessalonians chapter 4 and he says, you, you grieve and you should grieve but we don't have to grieve as those who have no hope because there is a promise that Jesus is going to return and those who are dead in Christ will be raised from the dead and they will spend all eternity with the Savior. They're actually with the Savior right now in their spirit or their soul. But one day, their bodies will be raised from the dead and reunited with their soul, and they will be glorified, and they will spend all eternity with Christ, loving Him, serving Him, worshiping Him. So he says, comfort one another with these words. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead that none of that is true. There is no hope. We live in a hopeless world and no hope for victory over death. Beloved, let me just wrap it up this way. The choice is clear. The choice is clear from what Paul is saying. If there's no resurrection, and please hear me very carefully about this, if it would be true that there is no resurrection, thus there's no resurrection of Jesus, then here's what everybody should do. You should just walk away from the faith. You should walk away from the church. You should walk away from the Bible. You should take this book and go throw it in the garbage can. Because it's worthless. Your faith is worthless. What we teach at this church, it's worthless. And Jesus is worthless. That's how strongly Paul's putting it. If there is no resurrection, just walk away from all of it. But read verse 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. He has been raised from the dead. And so because he has been raised from the dead, there is the opportunity of conversion. There is truth when we confess Christ that you are redeemed. There is comfort in the promises of the truth of God's word. Beloved, he has been raised from the dead. Thus, put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in him. Love Christ with all your heart. Turn from your sins and trust Him. He has satisfied the wrath of God. He is the substitute in our place. You can believe that and trust that because God raised Him from the dead. Not only that... Trust God's Word. It is reliable. It is trustworthy. Get in the Word of God. Get in a Bible-believing church that's preaching the truth of the Gospel and all of what God's Word has to say. And love the people of God. Love the Scriptures of God. Love the Savior who came. Put your faith in Him. Trust Him. And let other people know that there is salvation in Christ. There is hope. There is hope after this life and give them comfort. Let them enjoy the peace of God that comes from putting your faith in Christ. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer.